Well, a good day to everybody. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. This is Dr. Joe Galati. This is season eight, episode number seven, and we are dedicating this segment to the fentanyl crisis. This was a recording I had for the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM Channel 129 last week. And my special guest was George Joseph. He is the founder and CEO of Positive Recovery Centers here in Houston, Texas. And there really is no better expert or voice or authority on drug abuse, addiction, and recovery than George Joseph. George is an an upstanding individual, caring, compassionate. You know, I really think to be in the recovery space, dealing with individuals that are troubled, they have underlying emotional disorders. It's a very, very difficult group of people to work with, and George truly embraces it. And that is a gift that many have difficulty to accept. But George does it with grace. He is beloved by many, and he gives back. George gives back. That is that is really something amazing about him. And not only has he been in the addiction and recovery space for practically his entire adult life, he is a serial entrepreneur. And that is a whole other side of George Joseph, which you can find out about. But George is a great guy. And George came on with me to talk about the fentanyl crisis. And he shares his insight. He shares thoughts on how we should all look at addiction in general, what the role of family is, what the role of acceptance is, what the role of our faith is. And keep in mind that most of the 12-step programs, such as AA or Narcotics Anonymous, are rooted in a faith-based foundation. And it's very apropos that we were talking on the Catholic channel. George is Catholic. I'm Catholic. And he talks about that. And really, when you look at the immensity Is there such a word, immensity? The hugeness of the fentanyl epidemic, the fentanyl crisis. You have to figure that these drugs that are being brought into the United States are toxic, highly toxic. Now, as I I mentioned in the interview a little later on, it's not as if I'm condoning cocaine, heroin, marijuana in the good old days, back in the 80s, 90s. No, 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 I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the, the, the sinisterness of these compounds is it's an additional dimension that we have to worry about. And so it, it, it creates such chaos. The people, the lives that are destroyed the families that are destroyed, the communities that are destroyed. I just do not understand why this is not simply shut down immediately. We know where they are coming in. We know where the drugs are coming in from. But yet so many people along the way are turning a blind eye. 
Is it the U.S. government? Is it the cartels? Is it organized crime in any shape or form? It's very tough to tell. But they are coming in and destroying the lives of young people. Our future. We should be absolutely outraged at this. And I mean outraged to the point that we will not take it anymore. We will not tolerate it as a civilized society. Again, we know where this stuff is coming from. How do we shut it down? How do we allow it to be brought in and destroy the lives? And so for individuals like George, his team at Positive Recovery, they have to deal with the aftermath of this addiction. Many recover. Many go on to lead a normal, productive, and healthy life, but others just are in total chaos the rest of their lives. So please continue to listen to the broadcast. Again, this is a replay from the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM Channel 129, which I am on every few weeks. And our regular radio program, Your Health First, on iHeartRadio every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Central Time originating at 740 KTRH, but heard coast-to-coast and around the world on the iHeartRadio app. And for more information about me, my practice, what we do, all of our social media, drjoegalati.com, drjoegalati.com. And we uh, want to make sure you follow along with us. Make sure you follow. Click that follow. Click that subscribe button. And, of course, to stay further in touch with us, make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter. DrJoeGalati.com is a newsletter tab. Click it, sign up, and stay in touch. Thanks very much again. We really do appreciate your following us and, most importantly, your feedback. So, with no further ado, here is Mr. George Joseph with Positive Recovery. Welcome back, everybody. You are tuned in on this afternoon to the Catholic Channel. It's the name of the program, Your Health First, putting faith and health together for a better you. Sirius XM Channel 129. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com, drjoegalati.com. And as this song says, we have a hand. We could help one another. And... When you look at health and wellness and you look at our faith, we do need to lend a hand to one another. And one problem I was talking about a little earlier in the program is the, this what is being termed the fentanyl crisis. And it, it is a crisis. It's a national crisis. And on the phone today, George Joseph, founder and CEO of Positive Recovery Centers here in based in Houston, but throughout the state of Texas. George, welcome to the program. You have always been a great inspiration to our radio listeners over the years, but also the work that you do 
for the community, for the public in the arena of addiction and recovery. Welcome to the Catholic Channel, George. Thank you, Doc. Good to, good to hear your voice. Well, you know, where where on earth do we start? And and again, for everybody that that may not be familiar with George Joseph, he has received both state and national recognition for being a top counselor, and more recently he was awarded most admired CEO by the Houston Business Journal, which is no um, small feat in, in Houston, as big of a city as this is. So we are talking with a true expert. George, when you hear the numbers, and you face this every day being in this business of addiction and recovery, the statistics, and I would personally say that many of these numbers are probably underreported because a lot of people die and suffer. They don't quite get counted. But close to a million people have died since 1999 of drug overdose in 2020, close to 100,000 drug overdose deaths in the United States. From your perspective, what do you make of the fentanyl crisis? It's, it's the most uh, bizarre um, thing I've ever seen in the sense that the pushers, the dealers, the people that are uh, taking advantage of this crisis uh-huh. is putting fentanyl in all types of drugs. Right. Um, and so I call it accidental overdoses. Of the 100,000 plus, I would think that, you know, a large, if not an entire percentage, had no idea that they were even close to death right. when they took that pill or snorted that line. We just had a recent death of a 24-year-old kid that was in and out of sobriety, unfortunately, and, and had a Xanax and was crushing it to snort it. And uh, when he was found dead, they, there was two little lines where one was gone and one was snorted. So he didn't even fully snort the, the full Xanax pill which is just it's devastating for parents. I, I feel so um, sad and pained for the parents that have to deal right. with these losses because some of these kids, and again, it's mostly the 20 to 35-year-old mm-hmm. range that seems to be dying the most, is that the parents, most of them don't even know their kids have an addiction or may not even have an addiction. They just may have taken a pill for certain reason that they thought was a, a legitimate reason reason and not getting it from a you know a pharmacy right and and then they die and the parents are in such shock so i think we need to do a lot more to gather these parents to, to get their voices out i know we have mad for drunk drivers and they've done a great job to to put a spotlight on drunk drivers and i think we've made some improvements in that area but we need uh, fat against fentanyl against uh, you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, kind of, I know. I get you. I think I think we need. Uh, yeah. It's public outrage, George, is what we we you know we Maybe. have it after a twenty year old accidentally dies, but after that you know there's the funeral and there's the goodbyes and and everybody moves yeah. on until there's yep. another one. You know, the one thing you, yep. you, you said here, as bizarre as this is, now, neither one of us are condoning drug abuse and illicit drug sales and all of that. But in the past, you were selling marijuana. And, you know, you'd buy marijuana, smoke it, get high, 
get the munchies and and you would go on or cocaine uh, or other other illicit drugs here. These are designed to be poisonous and deadly. There's there's no sense that, well, I'm going to get high. I'm going to take psychedelics and and trip out, etc. These are deadly drugs. Again, these other cocaine, heroin, all deadly, not good stuff. But these are so much more deadly by design. And that is the part that is absolutely mind-boggling. What, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think these guys that are making this fentanyl, um, you know, obviously are bad chemists, but it's so right. inexpensive and the profits are so high that they do not know what they're doing formally and they're killing their clients. So it's, it's you know, until, I guess, the demand stops um, and, you know, they will continue to, um, you know, materialize their right. gains and hurt families and cause pain and loss of life. And so I think that they're starting to make progress. They're starting to see this as murders. In fact, I just got some great news yesterday that the city of Houston, even though it's big as it is, has mm-hmm. five full-time detectives just working on fentanyl cases right. to investigate where it's coming from and, and putting a lot of effort into you know, trying to find out the, the origins of it to right. shut it down. And, th- and we've shut a lot of it down, but it's still a ton of it coming into the country. And, and you know, some of it probably even made in the country. Right. And and the, the people that I've known that have died with these pills especially, they look so legitimate. Yes. They, they make them look so I mean, much truly, like they're truly real. Counterfeit. Yeah. Truly counterfeit. It's amazing that they're bad chemists, but they're good at making it, disguised as regular drugs or regular medicine. Or yeah, yeah, that exactly. People can take. Yeah, so said. George, now tell us a little bit about yourself. You grew up in Louisiana. You grew up in a in a uh, Catholic community. Tell us your Catholic journey as a kid and into adulthood for everybody on the Catholic Channel here today. Absolutely. I'm from a small, small town in southern Louisiana, and, and actually didn't know when I was growing up there were other churches besides Catholic churches. They had they had a small church behind our, in a, this back of our town that uh-huh. was a different different than a Catholic church. So I, I was definitely raised uh, full-on Catholic, and, and faith was very critical and very important to my family. And, and then I um, lost my father uh, to a heart attack actually uh-huh. when I was 12. Wow. And it's not to say that's the reason I started experimenting with drugs, but it kind of coincided with that particular time of my life and, and that teenage years. And, mm-hmm. and I got heavily involved in, in drinking and doing drugs. And, and fortunately I was, um, arrested selling cocaine and my lawyer thankfully recommended I go to rehab at age 19. Right. And I, I've been sober ever since. And Wonderful. It's one of the most amazing spiritual transformations that you could ever ask for someone to go through a, a rehabilitation process because part of it is that surrender to realize that, that, that drugs and alcohol are the master and you're a puppet. And then when you admit that, then the next phase of it is to basically surrender spiritually and to look for a power great in yourself, a God, to to lead you in, in your efforts. And then you kind of clean the slate. You look at your defects. You, you basically do a confession. You look at your defects, you make amends, you, 
you continue to be diligent and uh, diligent in, in looking at your behavior, and then you you seek spiritual guidance. And then the final part of it, which I love in the recovery process, is that the last part of it is basically you help others right. who have experienced the same things you've helped. And so it's kind of like your song. You're reaching out to others, That's and if right. you're you're doing a good job at helping others, you you remember where you've come from because. If you're sober, your life will 99.9% get better, right? And you'll have an amazing life because. But when you help someone new, you realize, oh, I remember when my life was so traumatic and so much drama, and you know, life and death, kind of like with the fentanyl crisis, right? Yeah, and then right. now I have such a great life that I can able to help others and be grateful and humble and all the things that's happened to me in my life. And so it's, it's been a wonderful journey. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so much written in the addiction and mental health field about the role of faith. And I, I, as you point out, whether it is Catholicism, other aspects of Christianity, or any other organized religion, faith fosters forgiveness. Faith will foster yes confidence in in a person and faith fosters support and i and i think that is almost a three-legged stool that you need for a healthy everyday life let alone help you recover or insulate you from addiction and other mental health issues what what are your thoughts on that on that triad of forgiveness confidence and and having that support of a faith community I think it's it's a, it's the a winning formula because those things are so critical in the success and quality of life. I know I think in in a material world there's a lot of focus on material things right. to show success, but the deep inner faith of someone that is has humility, has that gift of helping others, that willingness to help others, those those kind of traits are to me are the most uh, the best qualities to follow and admire in people. And, and you know, the religious community gets such negative connotations because, right. you know, there are obviously issues in, in churches. There are issues in the business of religion. But the true faith of someone that's helping someone else or giving a message of hope and forgiveness is the way to move on to have quality of life. And, right. and I, it's sad that you know, the trends are that people are less likely to go to church. They're mm-hmm. less likely to, to experience that. And so I think like you having the Catholic channel is a way to kind of get the word out that, yeah, get past some of the politics that you might see in churches, right. but get to the, the message of why we, we have churches and why we, we need that guidance to have a better quality of life. You know, there's a lot of, you know, people that want to blame and complain and whine and, sure you know, do all these things. And as you know, it affects their health and and affects their wellness. Whereas people that do have health issues that have that faith and, and, and have those steps tend to have better chances at recovery, whatever the Ill, illness is, if yeah. it's addiction or if it's liver disease or whatever the, the, the yeah. problem is. And, and you know, George, I, 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 I smile when I say, look, for years we've been putting on your health first, putting your health first. But now, the blend on the Catholic channel, putting faith and health together for a better you. A really very yep. simple message that we try to share here. Now, George, looking back somewhat 
not not so much retrospective, but based on experience, and you have more than than anyone, is there a generalized type of personality or person in general that is at risk for addiction or uh, specifically getting trouble, getting into trouble with fentanyl? Uh, Have we gotten to that point that you can, in a sense, profile somebody? And the reason I ask that is for everybody listening today, that they could take stock, look around either at themselves or the people that are closest to them. What would you say to everybody today? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've made some inroads in the genetics, the understanding of the genetics. So uh-huh. if your parents were addiction, had addiction issues, you're more likely to have addiction issues. And and then obviously there's a cute saying about uh, uh, egomaniacs with inferiority complexes are <laughs> right. typically uh, prone to addiction issues. Um I think that in with the fentanyl crisis, what's scaring me even more is that it's not all addicted people that are dying. Right. I mean, it's there are some addiction folks that are, you know, obviously a, a, bit, a big part of them, they are addicted. They were struggling like this 24-year-old I was right. describing to you. He was struggling, had bouts of sobriety in the last couple, two or three years. But <clears throat> there are kids that are just taking it for say a pill they think that's going to help them sleep or study or or you know smoke a joint or you know do a little line for peer pressure of cocaine where right in you know the last hundreds of years or whatever that you know you wouldn't have an overdose but because it's laced with fentanyl you're basically playing russian roulette with right. any type of drugs i mean it's scary for all people that do drugs but for whatever reason it's killing our 20 to 30 year old right uh, population and I don't have the exact numbers, but I'd love to know of the hundred thousand or so that die from overdose. What's the average age? I think those are kind of things that we need to do better at educating the community on and getting the word out. I know when kids go out at partying or whatever, having fun with their friends, they're not thinking what could happen. Right. And then the you know the tragedy happens, and like you said, we move on to the next tragedy. Or, you know, there's a mass shooting, we talk about it, and then we move on. So right, right. We, we we're, as a country, we deal with grief, COVID deaths. We, we deal with grief and we, you know, have voices, groups of voices, but not collectively. And yeah. I don't know if you remember the um, drug-free America, I think it was called. It had the drug, your drug on, uh, your brain on drugs. Yes. And it was like a fry pan with yes. eggs. And, yeah. And I know, it's, it, you know, it's not a tell-all for... Um, get someone to not do drugs but yeah. we ha- we have to do anything that we can right now to get the word out about fentanyl yeah. and obviously it started with oxycotton i mean there's you know you, you can see where the stats started once they added oxycotton and, and the opiates have yeah. really you know taken off and so i blame a lot of it on capitalism that we've gotten to this point but we got to do more to push back on it yeah. You know, one one of the tenets that I like to talk about a lot, and I wrote it in my book, is the three Fs, family, faith, and food. And not that in any way I am living in a perfect world or I've got these really simple catchphrases, but again, from addiction and mental health issues, the role of family. Now, the way I look at it, is that when you have this cohesive family, they are 
talking with one another. There is a dialogue to, you know, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. They're talking to each other. Their kids are talking to each other. Maybe grandma and grandpa or an aunt and an uncle are at at the table. They're breaking bread together. They're having almost a, a forced time out to say, we're going to sit for 40 minutes, have breakfast, dinner, lunch together, and we're going to observe each other. How is your day? Now, here, I'd like to think parents, if they are on the clue, they are saying, look, I have a 20 to 30-year-old in my family or a teenager, there's always that risk of drug abuse, alcoholism, uh, some other abnormal, risky behavior. If you're sitting there at the dinner table with eyes and ears wide open, don't you think this would be an important step and that we do as a faith, as Christians working to preserve that family, George? Am I oversimplifying it or is there really a role for this? It's a huge role, but it's not uh what do you call it? Full safe, safe, a hundred percent safe. I mean, right. obviously you, you got to have it, but I've seen wonderful families. My family was a wonderful family. Addiction will happen. Right. It's what you do about it and how you handle it. Some great faith based families are beautiful. They're wonderful. They're amazing people. But when they have an addiction problem or an issue, they bring it inside the shame of it, that they're like this great family and they have a problem and they don't want to really let it be known in the public. Right. That's the sad part is that's the scary part with, yes, a family is strong. A family is great. A family will make great impressions on majority of the, the group collectively. But right. if there's a mental health or addiction problem and they try to bury that problem, it only gets worse. It has to be exposed. They have to realize that it's not their um, upbringing. It's yeah. not their parenting that created it. It's a monster that's created genetically, and that in these issues, if they're not addressed, the shame not only becomes to the person who's the addict, it comes to the family, and the guilt, and the anger, and then your reaction internally, and you don't want to seek help. That's the scary part, is that help has to be out there. I have a great friend that's a therapist in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh Nothing against Lafayette, but he has been involved with over 10 families in the last year or two that have lost 20-something-year-olds to fentanyl. Right, terrible. And I said, you have to get these families together in a support group. You have to start working with them. Get them talking. Get them to speak in public. Get them to bring it outside. And he has struggled to get them to meet because they are afraid or ashamed to you know, be seen or be vulnerable or to deal with that issue. That is the most concerning is that we need these parents to speak out, to come out and say, this is what's happened. This is what can happen to your kid. Right. We need a strong, a stronger voice. So I love families. I love the closeness. I love the faith. I love the intimacy of the dinners, but they also got to be willing to step out of their comfort zone to hold, to, to talk about the issues, and then when they have a person in addiction, to hold them accountable. Right. To say, hey, you're going to rehab. I'm not going to go and pick you up after the first day or two because you think the, the bed is unsoft or, you know, the people are too scary that's yeah. in there. 
you're, you're gone because you have a problem and you have to get to the other side of it, the solution of it. So the accountability, some families, I got to say, are so beautiful and so loving, they've missed the part about the tough love, the accountability that addicts need. Addicts either see the light or they feel the heat. Most of the time right. they feel the heat, and the heat is from the family, especially if it's a strong family unit. If it's a weak family unit, the addict will say, oh, they'll blow off the family and, and detach completely. But if there is a close family, you have the best chance at recovery because that closeness of the entire family can hold that person accountable right. to get to the other side to make a difference because that's, that's our best advocate for helping others is the people that get help themselves and the family members of people that get help themselves because they are talking to other family members and say, yeah, my son went to positive recovery or my son went to this rehab right. or that rehab. And let's, you know, if your son needs it, let's get him help. This is what I did. This is how I can help you. I'll stay with you. Call me. You know, go to an Al-Anon meeting. We'll, we'll help support you through this process. Don't don't keep it buried inside. Let's expose it. Let's put the light on it. Exactly. Well, we've been chatting with George Joseph, founder and CEO of Positive Recovery Centers. Their website is positive. It's positiverecovery.com, right? Dot com. Yeah, yes, positiverecovery.com. If you need more information, and as as you said, George, don't be afraid to come forward. That really is the key. Yeah, absolutely. All right, all right, George. Thank you so much for coming on. It has been awesome. Continue the great work. Well, thank you for getting the word out to help others. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.